This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Welcome to my world. He's Batman. I am Batman. Let's go. There might be some momentary discomfort. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 145 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me as he is each and every week, my good friend, good brother, and the man that runs our Twitter page. That's right, it is Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 145 of the DCAU Review. That's right, and we are still in the futuristic world of Gotham City as we continue reviewing Batman Beyond all month long. And, boy, we have an interesting episode to talk about this week. (laughs) It is entitled, The Last Resort. Yes, we do. Uh, So, full disclosure, uh, I don't... I did not remember this episode at all. (laughs) Even as you were were discussing the uh, premise of the episode on last week's episode, previewing this week, I was like, oh, what is this episode that we're about to cover? So... (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a lot of strong memories or recollection of this one. It definitely wasn't one of the ones in heavy rotation for my recollection. So, uh, yeah, it will be interesting. It certainly is interesting for that reason. It's also interesting for uh, a number of other reasons, as we'll get into here uh, as we discuss our plot in just a moment. Before we do, uh, I'm sure you have the Internet Movie Database, the IMDb official synopsis for this week's episode, as you mentioned, which is The Last Resort. This debuted back on Kids WB back on March 4th, 2000, meaning we're just a few weeks shy of the 21st anniversary of that episode debuting. Liam, I'll throw it over to you for the synopsis. Absolutely, and this is for the episode The Last Resort, which was written by Stan Berkowitz, directed by Kurt Gaeta, music by Lolita Ritmanis, with animation by Coco and Dong Yang, and that synopsis reads as such... Terry investigates a troubled child reform camp that is more like a prison. Hmm. That it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so let us jump into our plot here, Liam. Um, so, yeah, it, we we open up with a chase scene. There's a runaway vehicle in the midst of Gotham City, and uh, Terry's actually getting the 411 on the latest happenings at Hamilton Hill High School as we have Max on one side of the comm link uh, giving all the scuttlebutt of everything happening at Hamilton all the, Hill. All the hot goss. That's right. Who's All of the tea as they say nowadays and uh so terry's being informed about who's breaking up with who and let me see if i got all this jurgen is breaking up with blade so he can see chris but chris is interested in eric who doesn't want to date anybody now wait a minute that doesn't sound like eric to me it's not you're thinking of the other eric oh man there's two of them now see how important these little updates are without them people would start wondering why you don't know what's going on at school anymore 
I should just tell them I'm busy chasing renegade synthoids and living heads. They wouldn't believe it. Neither do I. Hold on. Somebody's in a hurry. Uh, all of a sudden, this out-of-control vehicle w- being pursued by the police speeds past him, so he aids in helping uh, stop this vehicle from cre- uh, wreaking too much havoc and uh, is shocked to find out as the, the doors of the vehicle open that it is, in fact, a Hamilton Hill High School student himself, and that sort of sets off, uh, leads into the next scene introducing us to the the guy that's running this sort of uh, internment camp, <laughs> for lack of a better term, yeah. uh, Dr. David Wheeler, maybe a cult leader under the, under the guise of being a child therapist. Yeah, it's uh, so that's that's sort of what we're introduced to is we get this sort of scaremongering infomercial type thing that we see various parents throughout Gotham watching, talking about how you know you can't can't control your children. You send them over to me, and and I'll straighten them out. And yes, it's expensive, but hey, what's the alternative? And, and doesn't he speak? A, he mentioned something about liability laws or yes, something meant, too. Yeah, that that would be like this is like a. a sidebar to like what would be probably a much more interesting episode uh which is yeah apparently like chill like uh parents can be like held criminally liable but potentially for i guess crimes that their children commit mm-hmm. an out of control child a parent's worst nightmare i'm dr david wheeler child psychologist with the tough new parental liability laws now in effect Mothers and fathers can no longer afford to ignore their children's problems. Are they staying out too late? Ignoring their schoolwork? Or are they involved in something worse? Whatever the problem is, I can help. At my ranch only minutes from Gotham City, I offer the very finest long-term therapy for adolescents. Yes, it is expensive, but think about the alternative. Um, which we've never heard heard about and i don't believe it's ever discussed again nope but uh, we'll see i guess as we uh, continue to review these episodes but yeah it's just like so there's a line that it implies that not only is it because like parents can't control their children but also that they could be like held held on un- un- held to account by the the state government uh <laughs> or something for for the any damage or, or crimes committed by by their kids so you know, like I said, a big like scaremongering infomercial that uh, convinces all uh, various parents to send their 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 children from uh, Hamilton Hill High there, including Terry and Dana's friend uh, Chelsea Cunningham, who makes her return here. Kind of one of those uh, ancillary characters who just pops up every now and then and uh, has a, as we find out, a pretty bad relationship with her father, who uh, upon her deciding to. Uh, Another another element of this I just remembered is that like it appears that like the principal of Hamilton Hill High is like maybe in on it, right? Like because uh, Chelsea sends uh, Principal Nakamura a a strongly worded uh, uh, email about how how unshway he's being by sending off all of these kids or or Which... facilitating the parents being able to send all these right. kids off to this uh, Doctor Wheeler's. Uh, uh, reform school, um, which uh, after one phone call from Principal Nakamura, uh, Chelsea's father promptly sends her off to that same 
uh, reform internment camp. <laughs> so, so I think it's safe to say that Mr. Cunningham is in the discussion for worst DCAU dads. Yes, he he's <laughs> <laughs> he's right up there. I mean, he's in the conversation with uh, Mayor Hill and uh, and the aforementioned uh, Sam Lane, Sam yeah. Lane from that we talked about last month on uh, Monkey Fun, which you can hear in the in the archives at dcaureview.com. <laughs> but yeah, it's. There's so much of this, and I mean, we'll continue in the plot here, but there's so many things that feels like they could have, threads that they could have explored that would have been far more interesting or, like, could have led to a better story than ultimately they come up with here, including the fact that it's, you know, first of all, it's it's always... I don't know, it's hard to emotionally connect with characters that you really haven't done a whole lot with <laughs> prior right. in the in the series. Uh, you know, they, they allude... I, I, I feel like uh, Chelsea is sort of alluded to as a, as a party girl a little bit in prior episodes. I feel like maybe she's... Yeah, I think in, like, the, the first Spellbinder and... Yeah. I think she gets, like, splicing done in the first Splicers episode. And She's one of the cool kids. Yes. It's like her and Blade and, and some of those other, like, popular kids that you kind of see in the background but don't get a lot of play as far as, like, main, main storylines. Right. But, and she... I don't know, like, you're... I feel like you're led to believe that she's... I don't know, part of the part, maybe not a bad character, but like a part of that group of characters that you're just kind of naturally supposed to not care for because they're the popular kids. So to have her turn into this sympathetic character very quickly is a very odd turn of events. But as, as you mentioned, so she sends a, what she calls a letter to the editor, much like her own dad does. She said on frequent occasions, her dad then, uh, responds by sending her to this facility, despite the fact that it's mentioned later that she gets good grades, that she's uh, a good, a good student. And, uh, you know, not really one of those that gets in trouble. Unlike this other character, a Sean that gets uh, mm-hmm. arrested early in the episode for driving the car, uh, <laughs> that is out of control. So, he, you know, you're, you learn very quickly that the, the people here at this, this, uh, this Dr. David Wheeler's, uh, therapy camp or whatever he calls <laughs> it is, uh, not everybody there deserves to be there. And of course it's not even, it's, there's not even a question of whether or not something's fishy about this. It's immediate. You realize that something is up and it's so obvious that even the students themselves are like, which is why Chelsea writes the letter to the principal to begin with is there's so many students that begin missing from the high school. It's mm-hmm. just like all of the parents are sending their kids to this facility. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, there's a, there's a line. I think it's uh, Terry, Max and, and Dana are, are having lunch just after Chelsea has been admitted into this facility. And they, they make a point and mention, well, one, what kind of parent would send their kid to a so to a place like that, just for sending an email, uh, and two, what kind of facility would admit a girl like Chelsea, who's maybe yeah, maybe she's a partier, or you know causes you know causes trouble a little bit occasionally, or is, is a little out there, but comparing her to as we mentioned this Sean guy who stole a car and was you know taking it on a joyride throughout Gotham City. Um, yeah, you really, it, it's, it does sort of immediately create the picture. Like, you know, something's off. Batman immediately goes there that night and, and listens in as they have a very, uh, 
very uh, structured, and there's definitely some visual homages to uh, to 1984 in this that we'll get to more in uh, in our visuals and animation segment. But uh, you see uh, all of the all of the students dressed in like orange prison jumpsuits, very subtle guys, um, and they're and they're sta- being forced to stand for hours upon hours while a a close up of uh, of Doctor Wheeler appears on the screen and screams at them for being terrible, awful people and what a mess they've made and how they're worthless and and Terry of course records that using the the microphones in his in his uh fingertips that we see uh, Batman use quite a few times throughout the series sleep deprivation endless harangues it's classic brainwashing some cults do it it's also occasionally used on prisoners of war and Wheeler's doing it to kids wait a minute somebody's trying to say something Dr. Wheeler can I go back to my room so late. I could hardly keep my eyes open. No. You need to listen to this. All of you. And I've got lots more to say. Hours more. Please. Vincent. Take him to the ISO. The ISO? No, please. I'll be good. I promise. Please, no. But uh, that gets to the heart of uh, when I really started to not really enjoy this episode, <laughs> which is so Ter- they have Terry do that. He has a brief scuffle with the uh, security forces there. They kind of chase Batman out of the facility, and because he sets off an alarm because he hasn't been using his invisibility, which we discussed before. <laughs> There's sort of this unspoken rule that they don't he just doesn't use it all the time for yes. no good reason yes um, it's a little bit like the legion of dooms uh, headquarters <laughs> being able to fly and go through time just, just you know when they remembered that it could right it's just like you're doing surveillance in a in a very like high security dangerous area and you're you're not using and then you set off an alarm and your first thought isn't to immediately flip this invisibility mode on we i think when we first discussed we first discussed this being a a ability that his suit has we talked about alluding to maybe this is the same technology that's used uh in the batman animated series episode see no evil which there was some there was some uh some uh side effects from using it too much that they talked about in that episode so if they had ever made this connection it's like well batman can't use it all the time because it's you know it's gonna give him cancer or like it's gonna cause you know uh insanity or whatever okay or like if they said like he can only use it when he's standing perfectly still mm -hmm, mm because it's you know say it's not invisibility it's camouflage so when he moves like you can see right that it's a person you know that would be one thing but we see him in very in fact in the episode we watched last week he has it turned on he's skipping from like rooftop to rooftop (laughs) he's running around wearing it right and we see him you know in in the return of the joker movie later he's like picking up boxes and throwing them while he's invisible so there's no there's no scenario that we have been made aware of where he can't use this if he wants to right um and yet we still uh we still have to i guess invent reasons why he can't but yes anyway Terry eventually escapes. He takes the recording back to Bruce, and he's like, okay, take it to the cops. Let's shut this down. We're like eight minutes into the episode, and Bruce is like, you can't do that. What am I supposed to tell the police that a bat dropped this recording off on my on my doorstep? And it's like, 
Dude, I don't like how how does this work any other time that <laughs> Batman gives evidence to the police or captures a criminal for them? Right. Like I would think do it do it as an anonymous tip or have Terry as Batman publicly go to police commissioner Barbara Gordon and go, "Hey, here's a recording. That's probably enough reason for you to get a search warrant and go out and check it all out and then let Barbara make the arrests and and shut the place down." Right. Like there's a million ways out of this, but and that's almost that's almost the problem. Like I think this would have been better if they didn't try to logic it. Yeah. Like if they didn't try to go like, well, this is why Terry can't go to the cops and just sh- get the place shut down immediately. They're answering objections that I don't think you would have had if they hadn't brought them up. Right. It's like, or just, yeah, or just say the suit was damaged and he lost the recording. In fact, later when Terry sneaks in and he has a little video recorder, he gets Chelsea to basically explain what's going on 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 video and like he immediately he gets captured and they take the camera from him right so like all you have to do is in that scuffle say that the recording was damaged or you have one of his you know his gloved hand get you know shot at or or you know electrified or something and you say the recording is ruined but they didn't do that or have a scene where he goes to the police and the police are like this isn't enough evidence right we can't see. We all, you know, this could this could very well be part of the, you know, right. the his curriculum for what right. he does, and you can't deny the success. You right. know, have somebody with a testimony saying that the success right. of his of his strategy is while while different. You know, have right. him explain it away. Oh well, the our methods here are different than right. what you normally. It's but, harsh, but not illegal. Right. Exactly. Right. Have like, some sort of reason that isn't well. Batman just can't drop evidence off with t- to the police. That, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. That was, I. So I didn't enjoy that. And then, yes, as mentioned, Terry sneaks back in, of course has to leave his backpack with his bat suit behind uh, at the front desk and and, uh, talks to Chelsea, gets her on recording, he gets captured and uh, meets back up with this guy, Sean, who it turns out they apparently have a history. Again, this character we've never heard of before (laughs) just suddenly has this deep history with Terry and... They used to get in fights together in, in early times. And so eventually Terry and, and Sean, as they're about to be thrown into this this isolation chamber that uh, that the, the the facility is throwing children who won't uh, get with the program into. It's kind of alluded to as like their their biggest weapon that they yes. like the most torturous thing that they do to these kids is throw them in this like sensory deprivation room for days or hours or whatever. Yes. So uh, Terry and Sean about to be thrown in. They team up and and knock out the guards and even uh, kind of start a prison break, which gives Terry enough cover to go back and get the bat suit. And we get some punching, and then uh, Sean sort of goes off and confronts Wheeler. And Batman tries to make an appeal to him to say, "Hey, like you don't have to go down this route. You know, you can." You can prove it to everyone that you're better for them, but Sean just drops Wheeler off the building anyway. <laughs> so Batman has to, of course, save uh, save this terrible doctor. And uh, in fact, Sean does go will continue to be in some form of of, of cu- punitive custody. Don't do it, please. You were gonna give me ISO. No, stay out of this. You made your point. This place has crashed, and Wheeler's going to jail. I don't care. The only reason I went along with it was because I was hoping I'd get a chance for this. Don't you get it? You helped save everybody. You're a hero now. A hero? (laughs) 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 
perhaps more traditional juvenile hall that we see in other episodes now. But uh, and we get this kind of little tacked-on scene with with Bruce and Terry, and and Bruce is like, well, you know, not all of these these types of facilities are like this. And Terry says, like, well, I I just wish we didn't need them at all. And Bruce says, mm-hmm. And that's the end <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it felt so. We were talking before we went on the air here, just. It felt a little bit like that this could be Terry's uh, The Forgotten episode yeah. for uh, a various number of reasons. Of course, uh, The Forgotten, one of the original Batman the Animated Series episodes, which you can check out in the archives at dcaureview.com if you want to hear our review of that episode. That one, obviously, that one, for various different reasons, is one of your favorite episodes. But we, even when reviewing that episode, that one deals specifically sort of with the uh, epidemic or of of homelessness and really tries to say things but isn't really able to effectively say or do anything about homelessness it sort of just acknowledges mm-hmm. it as that it exists there's not really any sort of moral to the story there's the character of bruce wayne doesn't really do anything about it in that episode uh there's not much he can do you know we learn so in this episode it feels like you know, we kept trying to pinpoint what the commentary on uh, it was or what they were sort yeah. of alluding to here, whether it was maybe, you know, the sort of the over medication of of, you know, juveniles and younger people, maybe the the juvenile justice system as a whole, mm-hmm. maybe uh, a commentary on uh, parental responsibility and the avoidance that right. many parents just kind of. You know, they're not interested in disciplining or, or investing in their kids. They'd rather pass that responsibility off to a systematic, uh, you know, organization. I, I, I don't know. And, I, and at the end of the day, I think that's why this episode, especially with the final scene tacked on there, it, it's like, well, what is he saying? Is he saying, well, I wish that there wasn't juvenile, there wasn't a need for juvenile hall, that people... Like, because obviously Terry's frustrated that at the end of the day, Sean didn't choose to do the right thing. Right. Bruce comes up to sort of comfort him. And, you know, we haven't gotten to the full episode yet where they talk about Terry's juvenile past. Right. Uh, but we know that that's coming with the benefit of foresight, that there's episodes that deal with the fact that Terry himself was in in juvie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Terry obviously choosing the right path. Sean maybe not redeemable. Uh, in the same way, uh, I, I don't know. Like, but that's that's where we left kind of off with this episode. It's like, what was this saying? Did it say anything? Right. Was it effective in really creating a message? If because that that feels like it was trying to say something. Yeah, that's that's the thing with the and when we reviewed the forgotten back in the, back in the day, we we mentioned that it that it it didn't really have a solution to the problem. It sort of inter- to talk specifically about homeless people, how they are exploited, how they are sort of literally, as the episode would suggest, forgotten by society at large, and how, you know, Bruce Wayne, for all his money, does not have enough money to solve the problem of homelessness in the country or the world. Sure. Uh, And then at the end, we don't really have a fun resolution to that, because, again, we've already established this isn't a problem Batman can fix. He gives jobs to those two guys that helped him break out of of the... the prison camp or whatever. But this episode is like even less focused seemingly than that one in that it like, yeah, it touches on that. 
I think it would have been interesting to sort of touch on Terry's past here and maybe have that be like a motivating factor for him. Sure. I also think rather than him just showing up, rather than him going in to try to rescue, again, this girl Chelsea, who we've seen in the background of a few episodes, um, if there was, you know, in previous episodes, we've established that like he and uh, Terry and his mother butt heads a lot because he's not around so much because of his Batman duties. And, and so like, maybe it would have been interesting if like, his mother was thinking about sending Terry right. to this place. Oh, I wholeheartedly and he agree. Was, and he was blowing up, you know, and they have a big blow up argument. And then he's, you know, confiding in Bruce or in Max about how, you know, like I can't go back to a place like this. Like, right. and then he finds out, well, this place is so much worse than any place I was ever in. Right. And it's like, and it's sort of this really emotional moment for Terry when, you know, when he's able to shut this terrible place down. Right. But yeah, they don't really go in that direction at all, or even really touch on that. It's just and even like I said, touching on the idea of you know parental or you know parents either over medicating, like looking for a quick solution to yes. what they view as these huge problems with their kids, instead of investing time or instead of investing more energy or what have you. Uh, it doesn't go down that route. That it's not a it's not a discussion or a commentary on uh, parents with a quick trigger to to over discipline their their kids right. or discipline them in ways that are uh, whatever using using therapy as like a weapon, I guess almost. Um, you know, I I, I don't know. I th- I think the only redeeming thing at the end of this episode is when when the the students are are finally released from this place. Uh, ch- they show Chelsea walking out of the of the uh of the facility and her dad is there and he opens his arm to give her a hug and she walks right past him she like doesn't even acknowledge his existence yeah, that i was like great. Yeah. that's sweet revenge there uh you know it, her showing that she's she's kind of had enough of 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 him in this way so um yeah that's the only resolution that felt like okay well this is this is vindication for this this mm-hmm. character uh otherwise there are a lot i mean there's a lot of stuff that's started in this episode i don't think sean comes back again so it's not like we get him showing back up as a uh, as a character in an additional episode where he you know does show redemption or continues to cause you know go down a dark path and so terry has to you know wrestle with that idea so it's it's just i, I don't know it just doesn't feel like uh it feels like it was trying to say something but ended up not saying anything which was worse because it feels like it's trying to say something <laughs> yeah i think that's the worst part like you you often we, we talk about this certainly with um you know some of the more heavy-handed episodes of static we've reviewed where there's no doubt about what they're trying to say they may go about it in a very like edutainment type way sure but you always know like what the point of bringing up whatever topic they cover Absolutely. whether it's racism whether it's you know, again, they the, the, their their holiday episode of focus on homelessness. Like, there's you always know what they're going for, right? Like absolutely. That. And and here, this is like an episode like that, like certain episodes of Batman, which type touches on some a few different real world problems, but doesn't seem to have anything to say about them. Correct. And I think that's a problem, and ultimately why I ended up giving this a four out of ten for plot. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I gave you the same exact score, four out of ten. I think. I, I, which is, I, like, I, I don't know, like, I just, if they hadn't tried to say anything, I think it would have just been a middle of the road, like, maybe a five out of ten, maybe even a six out of ten, Mm because there is some, some decent action that happens, 
in in the in the scene later on. But it's just when it relied so heavily, the episode did rely so heavily on the story. And it just felt like it was going someplace, and then for it to just kind of be like, nope, this is all that we're saying. We're not really <laughs> saying anything. We're just, it's just general commentary about things. Mm-hmm. It just makes you kind of feel like, hmm, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, then. All righty. All right, then, Liam, let's move on to our next category, <laughs> which is going to be visual and animation. Uh, so uh, I believe uh, another Coco and Danyang uh, production here we have for visuals and animation. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, there isn't a ton, I feel like, as far as action in the episode. Like we mentioned, there's sort of this initial uh, scene where Terry's in the Batmobile stopping this out-of-control vehicle, um, that turns out to, of course, be piloted by his his uh, his classmate, and then we get the scene of him running away from the facility the first time, where uh, the the main uh, sort of I guess head of security, I guess you would call him Vincent, uh, chases him in this weird like one man like hover chair, yeah, thing. hover chair thing. Although he's um, not sitting down, he's standing up. No, it. yeah, it's, it's a, a very it's a hover stand. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird looking vehicle, but he. They sort of have a fun chase through the woods, and then this uh, the, the final beat when there's sort of the prison break, and Terry goes and and puts the uh, the bat suit on, and they're tear gassing these kids, and and Terry as as they're about to throw another canister, Batman jumps in and punches the can back at <laughs> the uh, security guards, and then explodes on them. I thought that was clever, but yeah, I don't I don't feel like we have a lot to talk about in the visuals department. Uh, at least that really stood out as, as spectacular. Yeah, as you mentioned, we have the visual, visualization and certainly the the uh, the return of the finger microphones that mm-hmm. we've seen him use several times. Uh, maybe most famously in the in the uh, pilot episode Rebirth, uh, where he uses them to to eavesdrop through through walls and windows. Uh, that scene where he's he's doing his reconnaissance uh, and and is discovered. There's more action, I think, in that scene than in most of the other scenes. Uh, there is a sort of a final fight between Vincent and and Batman uh, after the the prison break happens, and uh, Vincent has some sort of like electrified baton that he's using <laughs> as a weapon. He sort of shocks Terry with, but it's a very quick fight. After that, we get a sort of a giant uppercut that's off screen. We don't really get to see it. I guess yeah. they weren't allowed to show the actual fist connecting with the chin, or didn't want to want to risk that with standards and practices so you see terry kind of come up and his fists go off screen hear the hear the punch connect and then you see vincent slump down Mm -hmm. uh as a result so uh, even the action there is kind of uh kind of not as good as we're used to and then the 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 final action beat as we said is sean has dr wheeler uh sort of dangling by the lapels over the edge of a building and the tension sort of building there as to whether or not he's going to he's going to do the right thing, and he lets lets Doctor Wheeler go. Terry has to fly up and catch him, but yeah, there's not a lot as far as action is concerned here. And as we mentioned, with a with a plot that's was subpar based on both of the scores that we <laughs> gave, uh, that that's usually some place that we look to. It's like, all right, well the the story itself wasn't great, but at least there were these action beats, and then right there weren't. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I think I think from an animation standpoint, I think the the sequence where Terry's flying through the woods and 
is uh, is being chased by uh, by Vincent in in that initial confrontation. It's interesting because again, Terry's very uh, much on the on the defensive during it. He's just trying to get away and. And uh, that's another. I don't even know if we mentioned this when we were talking about uh, him not using the camo mode. But then at the end, the way he gets away from Vincent after Vincent shoots him or whatever, and he's down, and his he turns on his camo mode, and Vincent loses him, and then he flies away, and, and Terry gets away. So they could have solved that with just a throwaway line from Bruce being like, "Terry, turn on your camo mode, idiot, idiot." <laughs> right? Don't forget, you can go invisible whenever you want. <laughs> Just a thing you should remember that you can do whenever you want. Yeah, you only do sometimes. But uh, nope, <laughs> nope. We don't even get that. So, but but the plot, but the plot is, or the that is resolved there by by him going invisible. It's, yes, is just like icing on the cake. Of yeah. what the heck, man? Yeah, like two minutes too late. <laughs> that being said, like I don't, I don't think there's any. There's certainly nothing bad. Everybody's on model and everything. We don't For really sure. have those problems. Certainly by this point in Batman Beyond, when we've gotten to the digital animation and coloration era there are very few mistakes when it comes to that sort of stuff so i I settled on a six out of ten for for visuals and animation i think it's fine um like i said i i also just think the the locale just being this kind of generic facility near the end when batman's just fighting the security guards in like a hallway yeah like it's not it's just not a super exciting uh, you know, visually interesting location for Batman to be fighting in compared to, say, uh, you know, last week's episode when he's fighting in that big museum. So. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's, again, nobody, it's nobody's fault. That's just where the story took the took it, and that's where the action scenes had to take place. But uh, Imagine, though, if they, had, if they had done a scene where Terry gets thrown into the ISO machine, or into the ISO room, which is supposed to be this sort of, like... With, you know, a sensory dep- deprivation room. Mm-hmm. So you have a scene that's similar to the, the scene that we uh, we covered when we covered the. I think it's the second uh, episode with uh, with Shriek, where you have you know this no sound happening, but maybe you get flashes. Like maybe he has something something on his suit. You just see his eyes or whatever, and you see mm-hmm. flashes of light here or there from from the suit or something like that. I I don't know, but you have something that calls into this. They build up this. This mystique of this ISO room throughout mm-hmm. the thing, and then you don't really ever get to see what it is, other than right. just a room that's like dark. It's dark. I guess that's how it is. Right. So imagine if they had used that as one of the locales. Mm. Maybe Batman lures the guy, you know, some of the guards into the room, even if it's mm-hmm. for a quick second. Like that would have been far more interesting, certainly, than the than the fight in the in the hallway. Speaking of fight in the hallway, we do get a little bit of blood. Actually right. shown in this episode, the rare rare uh, blood drip that sneaks past standards and practices <laughs> is uh, Sean and Terry. Uh, as Terry shows up to the facility to meet with Chelsea uh, before he's uh, before he's captured by the uh, the guards there, and he gets into that fist, initial fist fight with Sean. Uh, he does enough damage to have Sean be bleeding from his lips. So that's that was interesting. It's something that you don't see very often. Uh, but yeah, I, I gave I gave visuals and animation five out of ten. Uh, yeah, there's as we already mentioned, it's the plot is light or subpar. So <laughs> really looking for something to kind of pick up the story, and there's nothing terrible uh, about it. Uh, but there's nothing. I don't think that there's anything that uh, I was like, oh yeah, that sequence is really great, with the exception of maybe the the chase scene through the through the woods, but being frustrated at the lack of <laughs> a lack of uh, of of that scene making sense and 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 Terry's motivation or not motivation to using his camouflage uh, capabilities kind of took me out of that scene. So uh, five out of ten for that. 
All right, Liam, let's move to our next category, which is going to be music. And I believe you said Lolita Ramanis was responsible for the music for this week. Uh, yet another episode, as we mentioned last week, uh, pretty much going forward, these episodes are not available uh, on any released soundtrack as of yet. So listening to the music in isolation, not an option. So you're kind of listening on the fly as we go through here. Uh, really, there's only one point that music stood out to me, Liam, and that was when, I believe it's during the prison break scene, you get a little bit of the Batman Beyond theme, but it's played with like an organ. No reason in particular for it to be an organ. It's not like a spooky night or something nope. like that, or Halloween theme, or they just, you know, she chose to go ahead and just use an organ for that sound, which yeah. sort of placed it more in the traditional Batman realm, and, and as opposed to the, the sort of, you know, heavy synthesizer, drum, guitar uh, mm-hmm. soundtrack of Batman Beyond uh, that we're typically used to. So that was a little bit different, and I liked it. It's just different. Um, but that was really the only note that I had as far as music, because the rest of it just seems to, to blend into the background for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the only other notes I had was, yeah, some of the, the more action-heavy moments when, when Terry's trying to escape the uh, the facility uh, as Batman the first time, and they have all the spotlights trained on him. Um, I think there's some good uh, kind of up-tempo music there that kind of adds to the tension of him trying to get away, again, undercut by his ability to turn invisible <laughs> that he doesn't use. But that's not the music's fault. That's right. Uh, so I, I'll give them credit there. And uh, the the scene you mentioned certainly stood out as well. And then that final little uh, scene there where, where Bruce and Terry are standing on the hill looking down, they... They bring in like this soft piano music that I think they've used a few other times. It's uh, not the acoustic guitar. It's not the no. acoustic guitar. But uh, they, I think they have used it. I think uh, in a few other uh, somber and mm-hmm. endings of uh, mm-hmm. a few other Batman Beyond episodes. I got worried when you didn't come back. Bet you brought one of your old bat suits with you. You'll never know. I hope you don't think this place was typical. No. But I sure wish we didn't need him. I know. I know. A little reminiscent of like the end of a of a, an Incredible Hulk, uh, Bill Bixby uh, live action television show ending where. You know, you just get that sort of soft, sad, sad piano going in the uh, in the background. The it's, hero has won, but at what cost? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a it's not a happy happy day for for our heroes here. So yeah, you got a little bit of that there. Like I said, I, I think the music is fine. Um, I, I settled on a six out of ten for music as well for for the few notes we had there. Yeah, if I didn't get my score, six out of ten was also my. Uh, score for that there you, uh, go. you know it's it's okay not yeah. offensive <laughs> uh the standout pieces were the ones that we mentioned and uh everything else is just just okay 
All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our final category for this week. And that, of course, is going to be voice acting. Uh, So we have a little bit larger of a cast this week with uh, a few notable names, names that you might recognize uh, once we talk about them. So let's talk about this week's voice cast. Yeah, it's a... uh... An interesting uh, crew of people here. Uh, one one pretty big name and a few other minor ones that I recognize. Uh, one being uh, playing Chelsea. This is actually a recast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook takes over the roles for the, the rest of the series after uh, previously Yvette Lowenthal had played her. Um, Rachel Lee Cook is probably best known for uh, She's All That. Mm. Uh, as well as, uh, I remember her because she played... Uh, uh, the main character's girlfriend on Psych for a while. Okay. Um, so I, I, I liked her on that show, but uh, I think she just she's fine. She's mostly an exposition machine in this episode. She is, and I, she's playing like a bit of a withdrawn character for the majority of the time that she's talking, mm-hmm. uh, which... Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't love her performance, to be honest, but again, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much of it was because she's supposed to be playing... Like, the majority of her lines come from when she's supposed to be weary and sleep deprived and sort of just beaten down after she's already entered this facility. So, so maybe that was the direction of how she w- her her performance was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. She does have a few lines as she's talking to Terry and Dana at the beginning, sort of talking about rattling off this this email to uh to Principal Nakamura, but yeah, I I, I didn't I didn't love her performance. I'll just go with that. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, moving on, we have David Faustino playing the role of Sean, uh, this, this ne'er-do-well uh, student of Hamilton Hill High. Uh, probably best known for his work as Bud Bundy, the son on uh, Married with Children. There you go. For uh, I think like, that show was on for a long time. Like, it's a shockingly long time. long time. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I think he is fine. Like, he's, they sort of playoff that he is someone that really should be in like a probably does need actual like psychiatric care right um he, i mean and they do that through the fact that he's just like giggling like a weirdo the whole episode basically <laughs> correct <laughs> yes um i think he did, yeah i think he does a fine job with what's asked of him we've already talked about how like it, that it's just this character we didn't know about showing up that has a history with our main character and then we never hear hear of him again right so <laughs> um he does a, but i think he does a solid job there um, we have brief appearances by Cree Summer as Max, and uh, of course Lauren Tom as Dana. Uh, Terry, for once, not being a terrible boyfriend to her for even one second of this episode that we see. That we see. Well, he does. His hand does linger on Chelsea's hand for a very <laughs> awkwardly long time. Yeah, I'm he's just touching like her face. Like he's like, <laughs> yeah. There was some awkward. It's like, dude. Like, first of all, he's got uh, a thing boundaries, for blunt, man. <laughs> First of all, boundaries. Yes. Second of all, sir, you have a girlfriend <laughs> that is probably waiting, worried sick at home at this time, that you more than likely didn't tell her you were going to visit this other girl <laughs> in her juvenile detention internment camp. Jills. Terry? What happened to you? I haven't been sleeping much. Is this why you didn't want to see me? Terry, I did want to see you. They told me you canceled. But... Listen, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here. I know. Hold on a second. Okay, go. The sleep thing's just the beginning, Terry. He's trying to break our will, turn us all into little robots. Wheeler's got this thing they call ISO. 
short for isolation. It's total sense deprivation. No light, no sound. He uses it on the kids who don't get with the program. It... It... Terry, you gotta get me out of here. That's gonna happen, Shells. Just as soon as someone I know sees this vid. In the meantime, just try to stay shui for another day or two, okay? I'll try. So, yeah, I, that's maybe nitpicking, but we, we just know that Terry is... Well, we know Terry's got a thing for blondes. And he's you know? not pure of heart. We that's know that. true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Hashtag Dana deserves better, always. Always and forever. But, uh, yeah, other than that, we have uh, Don Harvey as uh, as Vincent. He's just kind of this tough guy, security guard. Uh, Pretty big role for a, for a henchman, though. For sure. Like, I mean, I think because the, the main villain is a, a an old pudgy, like, <laughs> psychiatrist, we needed somebody for Batman to punch, so. Right. Even this kind of muscular, like, like you know, crew cut, uh, like, kind of, he's, he's very sarcastic to Terry the first time we see him, and we see him physically manhandling certain students and, and things like that, but, uh, 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 Mr. Harvey has done a few other voices in the DCAU, uh, DCAU here, including the voice of Gnaw, the, the larger of the eyeball-faced uh, men in the main man, man part one and two. Uh, the big one. The one of the bounty hunters that chases after... I had no uh, idea where you are going with that. I was like, yes. the big eyeball guy. Who you know, the guy who's like his eye... Yeah, yeah, one yeah, eyeball yeah. has a face and it yeah, talks. Yeah, yeah. His, mouth, his mouth goes around his eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, that guy... <laughs> Got and it. And then uh, also does some minor voices before actually coming back to voice Chucko in uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, ah. as well as uh, a certain episode of Justice League Unlimited that there we, we uh, may or may not cover somewhere down the line. So there we go. Alert, we will. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then our, our main villain, as mentioned, this this crazed uh, psychiatrist who is, is being so verbally abusive while his henchmen are physically abusive to uh to the the kids that he has brought uh, we have a, a like a true like television icon yeah like not really for our generation although he was on a sitcom i think uh for a while for that yeah. round a few seasons right he before he, his passing sadly but uh yeah, he uh, John Ritter as as his name. You would uh, probably his best or most famous role was probably on Three's Company. Yep. Um, which, if you uh, if, if you had TV Land uh, growing up, you may have seen some reruns of that. Uh, or if you're a little bit older, you may remember it being on uh, on Nick at Night or another other, other syndication. Um, yeah, that was a huge show in the in the eighties. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's uh, it's funny to see him there. And then yes, he has the, the show Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Daughter. I believe that aired on. ABC for a few years, just sort of yeah. right right before his passing. I think his, his passing was quite sudden, but with yeah, was, with his wife on that show was uh, was uh, what's her name Peggy Peggy Bundy, I believe, oh, on Married with Children. Yeah. So six How degrees of DCAU separation <laughs> happening here. I always love that. That's right. I love it. That's a great. Uh, that's a great uh, little uh, trivia note. We put that in the DCAU wiki. That's with all right. their other Great trivia notes that are always in that section on the uh, DCAU wiki. But uh, good point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, it's interesting because there's not. He sounds like John Ritter in the episode. Yeah, like if you've heard this man talk, he has a very distinct voice. He doesn't do a bad job, but it's just like we have, the, like we said, we have this infomercial where we're introduced to him, then we immediately see him on the video screen screaming at these children and yelling at them and and saying the the one kid keeps asking if he can go to 
to bed. And so he, he, he yells, you know, put him in ISO. And that's sort of our first mention of this ISO chamber that, that is explained later on. Right. Um, he does a fine job, but it was like once I read it, it was John Ritter, and I listened to it. I was like, "Yeah, it just, it just sounds like the guy from Three's Company." <laughs> like, right. it's, and it's again, it's not his his fault. He did he did the role, that's but, right. Uh, that you know, he did what was asked of him. But um, and then of course we have briefly Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne. Uh-huh. Uh, very briefly, we like you said, we have this one scene where they try to logic their way out of why Terry can't just go to the cops. <laughs> Uh, and then the final scene where uh, Bruce shows up, and I do like the little the little bit of dialogue we get there with with him and Terry, and and Terry asks him if he if he brought an extra bat suit just in case. Uh, I, I enjoyed the back and forth there with with Kevin Conroy and Will Friedell. but uh, yeah, overall, uh, again, voice acting. Nobody's. I don't think anyone's bad, but I don't think anyone's particularly like stand out good. So I ended up with another six out of ten. Yeah, I went with the same score, six out of ten as well. Yeah, there wasn't anything. John Ritter, I thought, you know, he's 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 good. He has a good voice. I mean, he had a good voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly somebody that we we lost too soon, and uh, you know, was certainly a, a a legend in Hollywood. It would have been interesting to see him uh, maybe get a chance to to flex his muscle because, as you said, he doesn't have a big part. He doesn't have a lot mm-hmm. of dialogue in this episode for being the <laughs> the main antagonist. Right. He has a few. Uh, short scene. So seeing an episode where maybe he had he had been able to flex that those acting muscles a little bit would have been interesting. Uh, but yeah, other than um, other than than the interaction between Bruce and Terry, we did have a little bit of of Cree Summer and Lauren Tom in there as well. Mm-hmm. But there's not like one scene that stood out. I think most of the dialogue that you're supposed to be focused on is the. Is the 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 Will Friedell and David Faustino, uh, in, you know, interaction? That's the mm-hmm. that's the main dynamic that we get, and it's not it's not bad. It's just there's nothing that blew me away with it. <laughs> hey, shut up! Got some news for you, McGinnis. Where it is, I'm not going to ISO alone. No comment, huh? Maybe neither of us will have to go. Sorry, fool. Wheeler doesn't change his mind. He won't have to. What are you talking about? Something neither of us has ever been very good at. Cooperation. Cooperate? With you? <laughs> if I get out of here, there are people I can go to. People who shut this place down. But I can't get out unless you help me. What do I care if they close the ranch? They'll just put me in some other place. No. This is your chance to prove they're wrong about you. Maybe your last chance. So... Yeah, I think the six out of ten is certainly a fair <laughs> fair score for that. You know what they should have done is they should have brought back Doctor Wheeler and teamed him up with Spellbinder. Oh, now we're the talking two evil psychiatrists that teaming hate teenagers up, for right, no to reason. wreak havoc on on the teens of Gotham City. Money left on the table. That's right. That's right. Man. All right. Another, All right. right. Another free idea for the reboot. <laughs> you guys listening? We're here all week. We just want credits. Just give us name credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw us name credits out there. You guys can have all the money. We just want name <laughs> credits. I mean, I would like some of it. <laughs> Actually, I would too. <laughs> Scratch that. <laughs> Legally not binding. Use that idea to art. TMCR. Stars. <laughs> exactly. All right, Liam. Well, that will wrap us up. Uh, begin to wrap us up for this week's episode. Uh, let's get our final scores in, though, before we uh, before we wrap things up here. Tallying everything up, uh, I end up with a 21 out of 40 for this week's episode. What about you? 
and I am just a tick higher with a 22 out of uh, out of 40. All right. Do we need to discuss whether or not there's a re- rewatchability on this one or not? I don't think it's it's necessary. Uh, I I would give this one a thumbs down. Um. <laughs> yeah. The only the only redeeming factor I think is the fact that we have another entry into the worst dads of the DCAU here with Mr. Cunningham. It is noteworthy for that. <laughs> but other other than uh, other than giving us a, a, a another joke to go back to in, in future episodes, <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I would say this is a large. Like I said, if if even if like instead of Chelsea, this girl Chelsea, if it had been. Dana or Max or sure. Terry again. Terry had been involved in it, and maybe like Max has to try to break Terry out or something. Like there are ways that maybe this could have been more interesting, but the fact that it focused on this kind of background character and introduced, and then we never see this other character again of Sean. It's just yeah. eh. It's it's like I said. It's it's not like the worst episode we've ever reviewed. Obviously, you can tell that by our scores and sure. by. Uh, you know, by how we're, we're not, you know, we're not trying to rip this one apart. It's just, it's just, you know, it was a swing and a miss. I also think that that lends to the fact that we, that I didn't remember this episode. There's a reason <laughs> why I really didn't remember this episode. Like yeah. I definitely have seen it, but I, there was no, I had no, it made no lasting impact on me. And yep. I think, I think, uh, for better or worse, that's why it's a literally like a 50% grade here that we, yeah. that we, we both ended up with giving it. So, uh, it makes a lot of sense. All right, Liam, well, that will wrap us up for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, you can check out the entirety of the DCAU archives at dcaureview.com. Check out every Batman Beyond episode that we have reviewed to date. You can also check out our top picks. Which Batman Beyond episodes do we think are the best of the best? You can check that out directly at dcaureview.com under our top picks section. Uh, You can also check out our store, which is available at dcaureview.com. We're not running ads on these podcasts because we We don't like ads. So uh, if you do want to support the podcast, uh, do us a favor. Uh, Pick out a shirt, a hat, a mug, a sticker. Get something off of our our store website. You can get that right at DCAUReview.com. At the top of the page also, you'll see a little link for store. Click on that. Uh, There are also coupons from time to time giving you percentages off, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Liam, uh, you run our Twitter page, uh, which is just one part of our social media that we run. You can follow us at DCAU Review on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, we like to give little sneak peeks and talk about what we have coming up sort of in the pipeline here. Uh, we already mentioned we're covering Batman Beyond for the entirety of the month. Uh, so that means we have another episode coming up next week. So why don't we tell the good folks at home what episode that will be? That's right, and next week we will be tackling the very next episode in order, at least in the order the DVDs give us, uh, that being Armory, which will feature a new villain debuting that has sort of a connection to uh, get another of Terry's high school friends, as a lot of of Batman Beyond villains uh, tend to, as it turns out. (laughs) Uh, So looking forward to that one uh, next week. Yeah, exciting as we continue here in a month of Batman Beyond. Until then... I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios. Adios.